At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. In three, two, one. Today, I have on call-in, because, well, it has to be on call-in because of the COVID, Vince Fowler, business coach, military veteran, excessive positive thinker, <laughs> um, all-around good guy, and a good friend. Vince, thanks for being on today. My pleasure, Mark. Uh, absolutely my pleasure. Thanks, buddy. You betcha. I've been... Uh, wrestling with the schedule to try to get you on here for quite some time, but now we have a pretty good topic. So today we are talking about embracing the suck. Tell me about the show that um, uh, you did recently on exactly the same topic. Um, Roger Chabot is a former member of the Airborne Regiment. That's where he and I had met. He was one commando. I was two commando. Um, be we were introduced with a by a mutual friend, just a really neat guy. And, and he has, he became, uh, he went infantry over to, I forget the exact trade, but he takes pictures. And um, through that, he developed, uh, he got to see a lot of the world that he wouldn't have seen as an infantryman. And so he developed this real keen interest um, in military history. So he created something called brothers in arms and I, I, I'll screw it up in French, but the English translation is the custodian of the memory or the guardian of the memory. I was watching one of his Brothers in Arms episodes and he's over at a, at a um, graveyard in France. And this, you know, this landscaper is taking care of all these Canadian graves. And um, the, he goes, I'm not really a gardener, I'm more of a, a guardian of the memories because this guy knew everything about all these fallen soldiers so um so roger incorporated that and i i don't know what episode i am but <clears throat> um he and i were just chatting the night before just over zoom over uh he had a he poured a french whiskey and i had a i had my scotch and an hour and a half later he goes you know we should have a show because i was wearing my embrace the suck t-shirt like i am now he said, can I, can I interview? And I said, yeah, man, sure. And so I still have the notes right beside me here. We just, we just talked about, you know, the fact that suck is a very real part of life. You know, take the, take parenting. Uh, if anyone's ever, any woman ever delivered a baby, this, the journey of being pregnant sucks. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of sucky moments and then delivery sucks. I heard on the radio the other day, the other day, a lady delivered a baby and it was uh, 38 hours. I'm not laughing um, at her. I'm laughing with her. 38 hours of labor. Pain plus time equals humor. I'm pretty sure she's going to laugh about it someday too. But there, the suck is what's between here and progress. It's between here and achievement. It's between here and success. It's between here and whatever goal a person has in life. There's no way to achieve great things without experiencing the suck. You know, so whether it's having a baby or summiting Mount Everest or going on deployment or marriage, uh, I love my wife. We've been together for 14 years, uh, married for 14, together for 19. 
and I have been responsible for some of the suck <laughs> in <laughs> her relationship with me. She's an amazing woman. So yes, suck is just part of the thing. So stop hiding it from it and start embracing it. It's just, it's just part of the gig. Sorry, there was a little bit of technical. You started to sound like uh, um, uh, the headroom guy. Sound like you're talking from space there for a little bit because the internet connection. Oh, no. That's all right. But, uh, Bastard internet. So that sucks. That does suck. But let's embrace it. Suck. <laughs> the um, the perspective that you're using embrace the suck though is for goal setting. Like if any, any large goal is going to have a certain amount of suck, if you are starting a new business, it's going to have a whole lot of suck, no matter what type of business it is that you're opening. It's going to have challenge after challenge. You're going to get kicked in the face and then in the crotch and then in the face and then in the crotch again, uh, on a pretty regular basis. And you got to be prepared for that before you open any business. It's definitely not all a, a bowl of roses, but it's, worth it especially if you're able to um, to make a go of it so the embrace the suck uh, concept though as far as this collective thing that we're all going through with the COVID um, the suck of being in isolation and comparative suck whereas uh, some people are this is the toughest scariest thing that they've ever gone through in their entire lives and and that's also what I was hoping to uh, chat with you a little bit about today, about how the person who this is the toughest thing that they've ever gone through or the scariest thing. And they're finding that is really causing them some bad anxiety. How do they embrace the COVID suck? Well, they're not alone. I mean, for some people, maybe COVID isn't, isn't such a big deal. Uh, it's inconvenient more than anything, but for others, it's really, really hard. So first, recognize you're not the only one, that there is a lot of people in, in the suck right now. Uh, seniors, there's a seniors home just in our neighborhood, and these people are confined to their room. Like, we're confined to a full house. I've got poor me. I've got 2,500 square feet of, you know, basement, main floor, second floor. It doesn't really, I mean, and I got a yard and a kid's got a trampoline. I got a garage. I got a front yard. Like these folks are, I don't know how big a senior's room is. Let's just say it's 20 by 20. That's their life. And they're boxed in there. Like. Yeah. My, my mom is in uh, the Glen Rose rehab hospital right now. Zero visitors. So not only is yeah. she locked down in this room, nobody's talking to her. Dad can't get to her uh, for his right. daily visit. And. That's tough. That's, I mean, uh, just the tone of her voice when I can get her on the phone, it's a rough go. So if we can, so I, you know, Brene Brown is a, an author, a um, TEDx speaker, many things. And she talks about comparative suffering where mm. I shouldn't suffer because you have it worse than me. Therefore, my suffering is invalid. What I w would like people to understand is suffering is suffering there is some peace in knowing that I'm not the only one suffering, I'm not the only one. And I don't know what everyone has for technology. I'm going to make some assumptions that everyone has a cell phone and on that cell phone, they can do video calls, whether through Google or FaceTime or Facebook, what, or some app 
there, there is no shortage of apps out there where people can do face-to-face calling. So yes, while it sucks and they're locked in a 20 by 20 box, um, just know that other people are with you. You just can't touch them. And that part, uh, that part is, is legitimately really sucky. Um, it's not fun, but I'm not the only one. And this is in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is very short term. It's not a nuclear winter Holocaust. You know, we don't have to stand ground for 10 years until we can come back up to the surface kind of thing. It's, you know, let's say it's 10 months. It's not even that long. Let's just, maybe it is, but so just know that other people are suffering and that we do don't forget that we have ways to communicate. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example. It's not ideal. It's not the way you wanted it, but it's the way it's going to roll. So you make the best of it. You do. And I like your advice on this or, or your, uh, your feedback on this. You and I are both operational veterans. We've both been deployed uh, to different theaters of operation. We've both seen war and some really next level suck. It's beyond suck. Uh, to say embrace the suck with a war scenario is euphemistic at best. But there's a there, there's an there's an upside. Um, the the more it sucked, sure. the more it sucked, the more we were bond bonded together. Uh, you and I are uh, have a certain amount of bond because even though we served around the same time frame, uh, we didn't serve side by side. You know, we didn't know each other back then. But I know the suck Correct. that you went through. At least I have an idea, and you have a pretty good idea of the suck that I went through. And uh, although everybody's experience is unique, it, it's still, it was the, it's the suck, even though it wasn't the exact same suck at the exact same time in the exact same place, that still creates a certain amount of bond because I know what you went through and you know what I went through. Do you see this translating into society at the end of this as a potential upside that it actually brings people together? For sure. You know, I made a couple notes here as you're talking. Suck is the burst. Suck is the birthplace of innovation, of creativity, of connection. And so anybody who lived in the Beltline, or not the Beltline, but anybody who lived along the river when Calgary was flooded, you know, they will always have that memory together. Whether they were neighbors and, they moved, and they've now moved away, they will never, ever forget being displaced by the flooding. Um, Montreal ice storms or the Winnipeg flooding or the Fort McMurray fires or the Peace, like Fort McMurray recovered faster from the fires because Peace River burnt down two years prior or Slave Lake or whichever it was, I forget. But like that, you know, the empathy and the compassion that one community had for another, knowing that they're going to go through this suck, the the friendships that are created, the bonded, even in my own house, uh, my family, um, granted, we get more cagey and we chirp at each other a bit more, but we will always have this memory of being locked up in our cage for the for however long it was that's a that's a positive byproduct of the suck your deployment any of the guys you served with uh you have any of those relationships stayed together like you talked to anybody you've ever deployed with oh for sure and of course there's that tiny little group that uh, you really connected with and there's people that remember me but i don't remember them or i won't tell them that though um but sure. uh there's a, a tiny little pardon into that relationship what's Sorry. the strength of that relationship 
Well, it's and how long ago was your deployment? Uh, 25 years ago. And the, yeah. for lack of a better word, the love in my heart for uh, a handful of people, the loyalty that I have for them, it's, um, you can't compare sure. it. You just can't compare it. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a little pocket of people that, um, because we went through it together, I just, I'll, I'll, there, there's nothing I wouldn't do for any of them. And I, I have a special right. place in my heart for, for each of them. There's a, you know, there's a lot of guys and I'll just, I'll pick one. Um, Paul Powers, he and I were in the same platoon in Somalia. He was our platoon signaler. Um, he was, uh, he, he calls me every Christmas, no matter what, like we talk throughout the year, we talk more now than we did five, 10 years ago. But, but we I mean, we, we talk every Christmas, right? Cause we spent Christmas in Somalia and uh, we pick up that conversation. Have you ever noticed this? You talk to a buddy you, you were deployed with or you served with and you kind of, you know, pick up the phone. It might've been two years, might've been five years that you since spoke, but you, it feels like you just carried on right where you left off last time. Yeah. That feeling. Yeah. It's uh, like, like no, no time has passed at all. Right. And that's a, that's a byproduct of shared suck. Mm -hmm. And I find that the bond is actually getting stronger with time. Uh, not, not less. Like when I see some of the old, uh, the old guard, there's a handful of us that get together for, um, uh, for an annual little golf get together in Nanton. And it's just bloody fantastic. And when we see each other, there's, um, there's a connection there that you just don't get elsewhere. You know, there's, there's just no other, there's no other place for it. So we, you know, during deployment, we, we're under a, it's like a pressure cooker, uh, here, COVID, COVID-19, COVID-19. I don't know what the 19 significance is. Did it because it started in 2019, but, um, but you know, this COVID challenge we're all dealing with neighbors are coming together. You know, we did some grocery shopping for our neighbors the other day, this morning, our neighbor took the leaf blower and blew off all the new snow from last night. Normally, you know, like just, just doing little favors for each other. Um, we have dinner tonight with some friends. It'll be over Zoom. So, um, you know, I, I, last Sunday, I went to buy some scotch. I found a really unique bottle of scotch that was still uh, on some retail shelves that you cannot get anywhere. And I found out they had seven cans of this stuff still. It's like seven, um, seven bottles. So I, I just put it out to some friends. Hey, who wants this? And then I went and bought four bottles and I delivered, I delivered theirs and kept mine. That would not have happened any under, under normal circumstance. I'd say, yeah, there's the store. There it is. Go get it yourself. But because of the, our new current reality, it gives me an opportunity to, to do something nice for others because I know they would do it for me. And that back again, therein lies the positive outcome, the positive impact of shared suck you know like you're uh have you ever heard parents talk about um i don't know I, i've heard experiences where people who have a, a, say above average wealth and they travel quite often they go to say they go to maui and mexico twice a year like both places so 
And, um, but they always stare at, at five-star resorts and you and I have been to some pretty big shitholes in the world. <laughs> uh, I'll say shitholes as in not that the country has no value. I'm not saying Somalia doesn't have value. I'm saying the experience was a shithole, yeah. right? Like there was no plumbing, there was no running water. There was no infrastructure. Heavily landmined, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. It's just like super dysfunctional <laughs> environment. Well, my kids have been to Maui. My kids have been to Kelowna and a little five-star uh, resort, right? And like, so because they haven't traveled with any suck, they don't have appreciation for what they do have here in Calgary or they do have here in Canada. So I think every parent on the phone can relate to the fact that we would all, I believe, all love to go to a, to a place where it's not so pristine as Canada so that we can get some new perspective in the eyes of our children. What's uh, funny is that uh, so many guys that have been out for a long time, they go, why did I ever get out? And you know what they miss? The suck. They miss the yeah. suck because that's what bonds people together. And that's what uh, um, keeps the veteran community together. Uh, They're different than boredom, right? Well, the, the suck and the veteran... Uh, boredom can suck too, but yeah, you know the, the long route march, the, uh, the, the holes... The, the, the digging holes in the in the in the uh, permafrost of winter, um, frostbite and good segue. The, the, you just reminded me what I wanted to uh, uh, mention. The suck creates pride. If it didn't suck, so what? You know, it's like uh, oh, I survived a five kilometer walk in with perfect t-shirt. You know, in perfect weather. It's like well, that's. Not a big yeah. deal, but uh, uh, if you can say I su- survived uh, uh, 32 kilometers in six hours with uh, about 80 or 90 pounds of gear, <laughs> and my feet bled so damn bad that I had to, that I was literally pouring the blood out of my boots, well, now it's a story. Yeah, now it's you know, an experience. Of, so there's a guy. He's a he's a climber. To, to say he's a climber is putting it lightly. He's summited. He's, he's uh, attempted Everest twice and summited once. So he's been to Everest three times. And he said, you know, not to, and on top of that, he's like done these other crazy races across the Sahara Desert solo. But he said in a, in a keynote a few years ago, he said, you know, um, it was about overcoming adversity. And he, he said, what if, how many of you would take a helicopter from Kathmandu to the to the summit of Everest, get off, take a few pictures, and then race home and put them on Facebook. Versus the person who started at Kathmandu, did the old walk? Shit, I hope Kathmandu is where you go to go to Everest. <laughs> that was my immediate thought. It's, 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 it's one of the uh, stops on the way. It's a bit before right. base camp. I think it's another 15-day uh, hike from Kathmandu, but close enough. Okay, so but you get to the summit of Everest, and we've all seen those pictures of people en route through Everest and we, and we, I've never been there. You've never been there, but we can no. all appreciate it. that, that person that they put a sign that that's a big deal. It's a big so deal. When they pop, when they pop a photo, we're like, holy shit, that dude, summited mm-hmm. Everest. Well, if someone just took a camera snap, a quick happy snap from the summit of Everest after they got off their helicopter, like we wouldn't give it any credit, right? We wouldn't, um, we probably wouldn't even comment. Oh, nice pick. Like how hard was it? I don't know. Like there's just so much pride in the fact that someone actually put in the effort to get there. 
mm-hmm. versus the person who just got off the helicopter. And we have a lot more respect for that person because they put in all that effort and that suffering and that commitment to achieve that goal, to achieve that, whatever it was, the bucket list, um, you know. And that's the, it. Uh, so there's, well, there's, there's the sense of pride that people can have in themselves. Yeah. It's like, what am I made of? And how well did I deal with it? You know, if everybody looks at this as a test, because it is, this COVID thing is a test on all of our characters as individuals and as a collective. So what leaders will rise if civil re- unrest uh, comes to a thing? Who are the people that are going to be quelling it? That'll, be keep, um, that'll rise up as cooler heads and, and uh, be leading people to not panicking. No, this is a real opportunity right now where we can let some, where we will see some leaders rise up and uh, march people forward in a positive, helpful way. I just uh, remember that a few years back, there was those Chilean miners trapped underground. Yeah. That, I bet that sucked. And I bet it sucked not just for them. I bet it sucked for the rescue team trying to drill down it was like an oil rig crew, right? A whole bunch of them did some horizontal drilling to try to get uh, a rescue pod down there. And then there's that uh, American girl in, I don't know where, maybe Hawaii, where she lost an arm due to a shark attack in a surfing accident. And yet she's back surfing. There's even a movie about her. So these moments of suck, right? These are opportunities to rise up. They are opportunities to rise above, to embrace each other, to support each other. Now, there's this, um, you know, the question I have is why do two people go through a suck moment and one comes out stronger than ever and one comes out weaker than ever? Have you ever heard the expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah, of course. Okay, so that's a true statement. It's also an incomplete statement because there's the other side. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. That is also true. Yeah, it is. And that's science. I think it was in the 60s, early 70s, when they, they did some research that discovered that um, there's, post-traumatic, there's post-traumatic stress and there's post-traumatic growth. And so some people will come out of this a stress casualty and some will come out of it in like, in like a slingshot of growth. And, so some, and some don't survive at all. And some don't survive at all. There has already been some comparisons to what we're going through like the thirties when market crashed and people started launching themselves off buildings and committing suicide in other creative ways. That's the real sad reality is that somebody is going to take their own life because they feel that this sucks so much. That all hope is lost. And then there's the next level of people who just, they come out of this weaker than they were when they went in. So my heart reaches out to them and I would say to them, you can be stronger. And then there's the other third of people who come out of this stronger because of it. The more it's, it sucks, the stronger you are to get through it. So that's, that's how I see this as a test where everybody. Sure, that's how you respond. Sure. But not everybody. No. So how do, you know. Well, uh, it's, it's amazing uh, people that slide into the victim mentality, even a global pandemic, and you can hear people still make it about themselves. And, and that's as far as they can see. They can't see past the end of their nose. 
this COVID sucks because I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. Sure. And um, sure. no vision of st- stepping back and going, wait a second, uh, I'm just one of 8 billion here. Because we're all listening to their. A couple of weeks ago, I'm listening to the radio, and um, it was a sports interview, and I don't know which hockey, NHL hockey team they were talking to. Um, I don't recognize the voices, but the person was complaining that the end, the season was canceled because they were playing quite well, and you know they were going to have a really good run at the Stanley Cup. And I'm because the 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 context of the of the of the interview was how are you. How are you holding out? Like, how are you maintaining your fitness in case the season comes back before the end of the year, right? And how hard it is for these athletes to maintain their level of fitness. Well, if you think about it, it's a everyone's in lockdown, so unless so, every athlete's fitness is going to be compromised. So that's an equalizer. But the the athlete's response was, "Poor me. We were on our way to the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs this year," and that's very much a victim. That's a very, the way it was articulated was very much a victim card. I'm referring to the people whose coping skills are at a breaking point. It's not that they're playing the victim card. It's that their coping skills are at a breaking point and they no longer have the, um, the belief. They no longer believe that they can, you know, function through this. And it's not a, it's not a case of willpower when anxiety, which is a stress response. I dislike the word disorder. Anxiety is a stress response. When it's so loud, a person willpower is is unable to get that person out of bed. And if it's COVID, if it's the COVID experience, it could be any experience. It just happens to be COVID right now. That those are the people I'm I concern with because they and people that already uh, have a lot on their plate. I mean, um, from a narcissistic point of view, for myself, I'm glad that this is happening now and not three years. For, uh, ago because I've had three years of therapy, which, uh, for PTSD right. for, for military related PTSD, which has made me so much stronger and so much more resilient that it's, um, it's day and night. And yet I'm still after three years of therapy and, and collecting tools and running peer support groups and everything else. Um, I mean, I, I still feel the extra stress of the COVID. You know, I, 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 but my self-awareness is high enough now that I can see when I'm getting a little bit short-tempered and I can head it off at the pass. I can nip it in the bud, so to speak. But three years ago, uh, you know, this probably would have tipped me right over as it is for, for a lot of people right now, because they have all these other things that were already going on in their life. And now maybe they're losing their business, um, or at least the threat of it is there. Uh, people losing their life savings right now, uh, facing bankruptcy. There's a yeah, lot of that yeah. going on. Like I'm 50 and I've got 50, I got 50 to 60 years of life ahead of me. I legitimately believe that. And, but if I'm, if someone who's older and this, this COVID lockdown is compromising their business or their reality and it's just, burning cash left, right, and center. Like this can cause some real anxiety in people. There's some real stressors. Um, I really feel for them. So if you think of the, you know, the game Jenga. Yeah. The, so we, if people, as people listen, they just kind of, you know, it, our body is kind of like stress is kind of like Jenga. 
in the beginning, we got this pretty little stack of, of wood blocks. But as the game goes on, we all know that, you know, everybody takes their turn and everyone nudges out one of those wood blocks and then puts it back on the top. And I, I wonder if stress is kind of like that for some people where, you know, something that I thought was fine and in place and anchored and safe is now jolted and now it's on top. And whether that's a mortgage payment or rent payment, a car payment, a healthcare payment, um, whatever it is. And then that, you know, as that Jenga tower gets wobblier and, and disjointed and eventually it crumbles and then we put it all back together again. And I, I, I had that thought in my mind as you were talking about the stressors that happen to people, but I'll come back to, uh, Kelly McGonigal wrote The Willpower Instinct. Angela Duckworth wrote Grit. These are, and, and uh, Carol Dweck wrote Mindset. And these three books, just around the idea, and I'd add one more to that, The, the, um, the Art of Possibility by Benjamin Zander. These books are the building blocks of resiliency in all of us. I'm very fortunate to have read all those books at least once sometime in many, I don't think I, I actually, I think in those cases, I've read all those books twice, but if we stay, here's the, here's the dark side. If we stay and suck, if we stay in this dark headspace of suck, then we're no longer in a space of creativity. We've got to, we've got to recognize where we are. What, what's the positive in any of this or what, at the very least, what's neutral. What are the true facts, not voice, we can't stop voicing negative thought, but we can control the language we use outwardly. And so if we can find some neutral and or positive perspective, then, you know, inch by inch, we can make progress through this. Um, that, that's how I do it for me. You know, my situation, A, is not unique, but at the same time, it's not destitute. I know I'm in, I, I have, I focus on what I can control and in spite of the suck, you know, we're going to get through this. One of the um, most important things I think for people right now is really practicing mindfulness. And all mindfulness is slowing down and focusing on process and staying in the moment. So some ways to be practicing that right now, if you're a coffee drinker, instead of uh, making coffee in the easiest, fastest, most convenient way possible, slow down, brew an old pot of perk, um, grind your own, slow it down so that you become more of an artisan with your coffee. Uh, that is one example of, of how to be mindful. And because if you have your head in the worst case scenario mode and worry about, uh, the COVID-19, that's just going to suck even worse you're throwing gas on the suck fire instead have a project and if you don't have a particular project be more mindful about everything that you do cleaning your house um, go do some maintenance have a project of some sort take up leather working or woodworking or drawing or art anything that um, uh, requires your focus on the task because if you don't right now uh it's gonna suck. It, so you you have to 
deal with it. You can't just, um, it can't just be a mindset. It's like PTSD recovery. PTSD recovery is an activity, not an event. It's an activity. You actually have to do something. You have to keep your feet moving in a positive direction. Thoughts on that, Vince Feller? Yeah. The key word to all of that is creativity. So whether it's coffee or leather work or building birdhouses, whatever it is, cookies, it's creativity. When our brain is, when our brain is in a creative space, it functions differently than when it's in that worst case scenario thinking. And then that whole worst case scenario thinking, we do ourselves a disjustice if we don't entertain the, the best case scenario. If we just think worst case scenario, worst case scenario, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. It's, it literally becomes a self-inflicted wound. And, the, and by the way, it's completely normal to go below the line to start thinking worst case scenario. That's psychologically normal. The part of the brain, the lizard brain, the amygdala, that's all it does is scan for threat all day long. It's a really stupid part of the brain in that it doesn't know the difference between a perceived threat and an actual real threat. So an example of a perceived threat, uh, back in the American election, uh, Hillary Clinton said, do you really, if you vote for Donald Trump, he's going to have access to nuclear launch codes. So everyone's like, holy shit, you're right. I don't want Trump to have, I don't want Trump to have the button. Well, that, first of all, that's worst case scenario. Second, it's a perceived threat. It's not a real threat. Donald Trump by himself cannot launch a nuclear bomb, right? He can't just say you all guys got to do it. There's a lot of protocols in place for that to happen. So she's creating a narrative. She's creating a story in the minds of others to, to create stress. And it's a perceived threat. It's not even a real threat. A real threat is driving on a road and there's black ice on the road and we hit it. That's a real threat. If I don't adjust my speed, um, um, stay focused and all these things, I will become a car accident in, in any time soon here. So that's the difference. And, and the, the amygdala doesn't know the difference. So what the amygdala does is it scans for threats. And then when it sees one, it blows it all out of proportion. It sends it, sends that message to a couple different parts of the brain, the limbic system being one of them. The limbic system kind of freaks out. And if you make a fist with your thumb inside of it, the thumb represents the lizard brain. It blows its gasket. The limbic system flares up. So the fingers are pointing to the sky. It's like your hair on fire. And your, your prefrontal cortex, your neocortex, the logic part of your brain that's responsible for facts and figures and, and features and benefits of language, um, that's completely disconnected. And therefore, that's, that, that's where that narrative of you know, people running around with their head cut off. When emotion so is high, rationale is low. Correct. Correct. So worst case scenario thinking, A, it's normal. So one, we got to come back to center. Whatever a person does, whether it's exercise or meditation or breathing, um, they've got to do something to come back to center and then immediately, sooner than later, immediately entertain best case scenario thinking. Can't just sit in a wall of our own piss or it's self-inflicted. So we've got to come back to center. And one of the, you know, one of the fastest ways from uh, research shows is exercise. Just, dude, just take a walk around the block, go for a run, lift some weights, whatever. Running's one of the best. Biking would be really good. Rowing would be really good. Anything cardiovascular. It's not that weight training is bad. It's just it's slower. It's slower on the cardio side. Uh, but anyways, then um, something I just learned yesterday because we uh, there's a you can uh, Skype a scientist if anyone's interested. Uh, reach out because we've got the number for it. And we had a we had a scientist at a university of somewhere in Detroit 
who spoke to our whole family two days ago, totally free um, as part of their offering during COVID. And she said, when the lizard brain freaks out, it's constantly sending these, these stress responses. It, we can shut it off by going to sleep. So if someone's really in a really tough spot, take a nap or just go to bed. And, and uh, because then that's one thing that shuts off the, the threat response. So worst case scenario thinking is normal. Come back to center and then practice some best case scenario and then find ways to be creative, whether it's basket weaving, leather work, baking cookies, uh, learning a new language, playing with an instrument. Creative helps us stay out of that worst case scenario. It's, it's uh, problem solving. It's, it's uh, solution hunting. Call it whatever you want. You can't suck and blow That's at the same up. time. You can't have uh, your mind on gratitude and also be bitter at the same time. You can't do both. It's got to be one or the other. And, uh, and it's, it's the same here. So if you're going down the rabbit hole, um, stop. <laughs> you have to have the self-awareness that, that you can change your thinking, that you can change your focus, that you can do something else. Um, I don't recommend sitting in front of uh, uh, Netflix and sitting in front of the TV and, and doing Netflix binging. I mean, it's a distraction, but it's not a great coping mechanism, especially if you're watching Contagion and all the related well, yeah, that's shows. What I, help. What, I, what I would say is uh, go to all the different comedy, YouTube or Netflix, and you can binge that all day long because yeah. that will put you in a different state. That's a very, you know, Netflix is the vehicle. YouTube is the vehicle. And watching Contagion might just trigger more worst case scenario thinking. You know, uh, there's that program on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's uh, um, Doomsdayers. I mean, that's pretty comical. We've got some pretty crazy people out there doing some of this stuff. But, but watch comedy. Kevin Hart's comedy special. Uh, there's a thousand. You know, um, Ellen DeGeneres. Her comedy special is amazing. Like you could watch that twice. You could watch it every week and still laugh. Uh, here's um here's a here's an example. Uh, you know, I know you can see this and the and the listeners can't, but I'm holding a, I'm holding a toy car. And so if you think of positivity, positivity is going forward. Negativity is going backwards. And it's really difficult if we're going to in, in reverse, it's really difficult to just drop that, you know, um, gear stick into, into forward or we're going to, cause if you do, you're going to blow a tranny, right? Same. If you're going forward, it's very difficult to just to drop it into reverse. You're going to blow out your tranny. So with Trevor Mawood, who is, uh, he's the CEO of Limitless Minds out of California. And he's partnered with Russell Wilson, who's a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And he talks about neutral thinking. And, and this, is, this is where all of us need to experiment and play with. When, you know, I've, my, I've had to close my business and you're telling me to be positive. Uh, you're telling me to be positive. I lost 100% of my revenue. You're telling me to be positive. My landlord's not giving me any rent relief. You're telling me to be positive. And I, um, my, my grandfather has COVID and he's in the hospital and he's on respirators. You're telling me positive and, you know, one shitty experience after another, right? So right. let me ask you this. You're in a very, uh, you're, you're in a funk. And I just say, come on, Mark, be positive. What's your first immediate thought to me? Well, I want to punch you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's not do this. When, when someone's in a funk, 
let's not just say, come on, dude, be positive. Come on, lady, be positive. Cause they're going to want to, they're going to have an adverse reaction to that um, well-intended advice. So what we can do, this goes back to neutral thinking. This is where I got it from was Trevor Mawad is okay. If you can't do meditation, cause meditation is hard uh, in the beginning. If you can't do mindfulness, cause mindfulness can feel hard in the beginning. If you can't do uh, all these other strategies, just don't say stupid shit out loud. We cannot control our thoughts from a, the immediate thought perspective. We can control, we can change our follow-up thoughts, our secondary thoughts. But remembering that the amygdala is pumping out negative thought all day long. But what we can control is we can control our language. So any thought said out loud um, has a, has an, is amplified to the power of 10. So while positive thinking doesn't always work, negative thinking always does. And negative thinking works negatively. Thus, and it's, and when it's said out loud, it's amplified four to seven times more, which means when we say things that are negative, it's 40 to 70 times more impactful, but in the wrong direction. Thus, the neutral thinking. So when someone's in a pissy mood, they're in a funk, I don't tell my clients, hey, you need to be positive through this. I say, okay, so what are the facts? What are the true facts right here, right now? What is the truth? So it's not saying the weather sucks. It says the fact is it's three degrees and it's snowing. That's a fact. Okay. Um, so what else is a fact? The fact is my landlord is not giving me rent relief. Okay. That's a fact. What else? And we can get all those facts out and then we can start to retool them. And what do we need to do about them? What's the next behavior versus the outcome? And that's what's not being talked about out there. No one's, everyone's saying, be, and I'm using the word everyone generally, but a lot of people are saying we just need to be positive. Even the even the even the media, mainstream media, just just be positive. You know, fuck off, media. <laughs> you got your job, you, you've got your salary, you've got your face all over TV twenty four seven because that's all CBC does right now. It's like, isn't it interesting that there's nothing else going on in the world except COVID? Yeah, I'm not. There's no more. There's no other there's conversation. No fires. There's no flooding anywhere. There's no, you know, baby snatching. Nothing's happening in the world. It's just COVID, and it'll be very interesting once COVID is over. Oh, by the way, yeah, there was a robbery last week. There was this last. Like, if it bleeds, it leads. One reason why I really dislike the media because that's that's all they give a shit about. But, anyways, where was I going with that? Is just don't speak negative. Just speak to facts, which is neutral, and then be creative about finding a positive way. Focus on the next behavior, not the outcome. If, if it's freaking you out that you're locked up in a box, don't tell yourself, oh, we're going to be out by Easter, because guess what? Easter's come and gone, pretty much, and we're still in the box. Well, actually, um, I'll wrap up with uh, uh, that. Like, doing um, the first time I did a 32-kilometer ruck march in, in six hours, <laughs> The worst thing was at the very, very end when some asshole said, oh, it's just 500 more meters. It's all it is. When it was really a couple of kilometers out. But some, yeah. but some asshole said, oh, it's just 500 more meters. So now your brain is like, okay, I'm at, I'm at the end. And when, you're, when you know you've done 500 and there's still like a couple of more kilometers to go, then you have to rejig yourself all over again. And it's yeah. brutal. You know, if, uh, Did you ever, like, if, you, if you do it the other way around where it's, uh, there really is only 500 meters to go, but you say, okay, it's only two kilometers to go. 
it's so much easier to get over that finish line, to shoot past the finish line. So we, uh, I would suggest uh, not expecting or getting your hopes up too much that this is going to be a short run for the COVID because it's probably not going to be a short run. We, we would just, you know, I'm, if we were fortunate to be on a, on a run that had telephone poles, I just run to the, it was always to the next telephone pole. Not all, not all runs in the training area had the, you know, had that, but, but if, if it's there, you know, so what's the telephone, like if, you know, we're doing a marathon we just, I just focus on the, the next telephone pole. If I can do one telephone pole, which is roughly about a hundred meters, I can do two. And if I can do two, I can do three. So I'm not worrying about the whole 21 or 42 kilometer half marathon marathon thing. I'm just focusing on the next behavior, the next telephone pole. And that's what I'd really encourage um, anybody listening is just if, if they're, if you're struggling, just focus on the next telephone pole. There's a bunch of people captured in uh, during the Vietnam war. And I wish I could find the research because it was absolutely fascinating a pilot shot down. He spends seven years in a Vietnam POW camp. He, the guys that lived were the ones that just focused on the next day. The guys that died and literally of a broken heart were the ones that thought we'll be home by Christmas. Christmas would come and go. We'll be home by Easter. Easter would come and go and they'd be disappointed. We'll be home by, you know, and they would just set these new dates and they would just literally die of a broken heart. But the guy who is, Hey, this is our reality. We're here until we're not here. And they just, Every they just focus on the day. They're the ones that had a much higher survival rate in captivity. It would be probably very similar research to Auschwitz. Uh, Victor Frankl, the man search for meaning, talks about uh, you know how how some lived and and most died. And um, yeah, just focus on the next telephone pole. Vince Fowler, fantastic advice. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, you are the business coach, a premier level business coach. How does somebody get a hold of you? Easy way, it's vincefowler.ca, and that will take you to a hub where you can, it's easy to reach out, uh, or just simply Google Vince Fowler. While there are others out there, I am the, uh, there'll be more hits about me than all the others. So just, yeah, vincefowler.ca or Google Vince Fowler, you'll find me. All right, Vince, thank you so much. Uh, I think we're going to be publishing this on both my channels, both the Meineke Show podcast and Operation Tango Romeo, because I believe it's directly re- relevant to both, because we're all in this together. Vince, are, sir. thank you so much, brother. My pleasure. Thank you, bud. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. (laughs) 